grab a drink from the chili bin, put on your jandals, because we're here for work experience, Auckland edition. G'day everyone, Braden French, your host here, and that's right, we are recording live from our Auckland studios, our first international recording of the podcast. We are just going ahead in leaps and bounds, thanks in no small part to our sponsors and to you, the listeners. Obviously, there are more listeners than there are sponsors, but needless to say, we are super excited to be here over in Auckland, New Zealand, and we are here because one of the team here, our hosts and our production crew and director, graphic designer, social media guy, he's here, I'm here, to be part of the International Association for the Study of Youth Ministries Oceania Conference, which is happening for the next few days. And I'm presenting a paper, and I thought I'd let you know uh, what I'm presenting, and then uh, maybe what we're going to see as a result of it. So. I spent the last six months uh, tackling the idea that what does it mean if migrant members of the church who are young have a different understanding of the place and primacy of the Bible to that of the foundational understanding that the Uniting Church has of the Bible. So I did some reading into how the Uniting Church understands the Bible, uh, read some of the great commentaries on the basis of union and engage with some of our contemporary theologians and biblical scholars. And then I spoke to 15 young migrant members of the Uniting Church and asked them a bunch of questions about how they understand the Bible, what they think it is, how relevant it is, how regularly they engage with it. And then the rest of the paper addresses the gap there, the distance between the Uniting Church understanding and this emerging understanding within our migrant communities. And the gap is there. And then I sort of raised some questions. I don't really tackle them. Uh, I've got my own hunches, but the paper doesn't seek to resolve them. But some of the big questions are, well, I think this gap is manifesting itself in some of our more rigorous uh, theological conversations and decisions we're making. I think it will continue to be sort of confronting us as we move ahead. And are we happy with this gap? There's a great line that I don't really understand, but I wrote it in the paper. At what point does hermeneutical diversity challenge ecclesiological unity? See, it's even hard to say out loud, but basically, at what point does this gap become too hard and threaten our unity as a church? Remember, these are young members of our church emerging leaders from migrant backgrounds who are offering leadership in their local communities and wider ministries of the Uniting Church. And are we asking them to change their biblical understanding? Are we as the church able to change ours? Or how do we nurture and manage this sort of emerging gap in what is a fundamental aspect of our faith. This isn't interpretation. This is simply how do we hold and understand the biblical text before we even consider how it informs our theology. So anyway, I'm presenting that paper. It's going to get workshopped because it's in the emerging 
research category. I'm really excited about that. And then we're going to see what happens next. Uh, and of course, here on the podcast, uh, you guys will find out. So that is uh, the shameless plug. While I'm here, I'll be doing a little bit of souvenir shopping, uh, something for the kids to justify being away, and otherwise having a great time with uh, lecturers, writers, practitioners, gurus, and uh, you know punters from all over Oceania who have an interest in the theology of youth ministry. I cannot wait uh, for the next few days. Uh, if you've listen to this podcast and you're at the conference, make sure you come and say hello. I doubt, I doubt there'd be uh, any crossover in that Venn diagram, but I'll definitely be promoting this podcast as part of uh, my presentation. And you know, who knows? Welcome aboard. Friends, today uh, we're going to hand over the rest of this uh, episode to a conversation I had with Reverend Claire Dorr. Now, Claire's interview was promised a couple of weeks ago, then we uh, punted it for last week's chat about Instagram, but Claire's conversation is really interesting, and and the focus is on what does this look like in the pews where we don't have youth workers, where we don't have uh, decades of inherited programs and assumptions, but trying to foster something within a congregation that wants to value young people and have an intergenerational framework. So uh, we went out, spent some time with Claire, had a chat recorded the best bits and dumped the rest. And we're really excited uh, to share with you now our conversation uh, with Reverend Claire Dorr. Reverend Claire Dorr, welcome to Work Experience Podcast. Thank you, Braden. It's a delight to be finally asked. Excellent. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. We get, we've got a few questions here, and you have prepared notes, which um, I, I want to acknowledge and thank. Uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump in. Well, I did have to make notes because I just can't remember who I am half the mm. time. Um, and I've written down here that I'm a very young, groovy, hippie mum, gardener, and minister of the word. Would your children agree with that description? Not at all. Okay. Well, gardener, maybe? Yeah, they they yeah, say okay. I fiddle around in the garden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, now on that point, uh, I think going through the archives, this is the first time we've had a family member. So Freya, one of your children, was on a much earlier episode. I think she was on the first. Well, we actually re- interviewed her before the podcast existed, <laughs> and and you're her mother. So this is the first time we've had a mother daughter on the podcast. Did I, did I give permission for that? Did no. I sign anything? Oh, okay. No, they Just waived asking. their rights. Oh, they did. Yeah. yeah. Like we all do when we enter the church. Exactly. Oh, the phone's going off. That's all right. We can ignore that. Well, we can't ignore them. Yeah, we can. Can I just... I'll just put it under there. <laughs> no, that... It'll pick, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> You've broken the phone. Well, actually, you're gonna, you will cut that bit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I can't swear on it. No. I'll have to set an explicit warning. Yeah, she waived her rights, as most uh, people do for the podcast. But it didn't... My first question, do you have a favourite child? Oh, I knew this one was coming up, you see. So I did actually talk about this with the family. Yes, okay, good. Um, And first of all, they all say each other are my favourite. Yep. Regan down the road, one of Freya's friends that we carpool with, he suggested that he was my favourite just to make it easier for everyone. I decided, though, on balance, yep. my favourite child is my Shetland pony, Morgan. Because Morgan does not answer me back. 
Yeah. Morgan doesn't leave their room untidy. No, no. And Morgan is always grateful to see me. He's pleased to see me. He loves what I feed him. There's never any complaints. Fantastic. Yeah. Perfect child. Absolutely. Excellent. Will Morgan ever move out, though? Morgan is never moving out. Okay. No. All right, we might have to revisit this down the track. He will never abandon me. Okay. Good to know. Also, we need to note, uh, you are the first guest, and we've had many guests, that required payment uh, to be on. (laughs) So... All this uh, itching to be on. Then you, then the invitation was extended and you demanded Diet Coke and chocolate. I don't think that's unreasonable. Nothing in the Code of Ethics says I can't. No, that's right. So um, I'm just worried it's, it's a precedent. Um, our, our production budget is going to get blown out on soft drink and chocolate. Oh, and also, um, you haven't brought Alan with you today. Alan uh, is in the car's running. So we're double oh, parked. Okay. So Alan is uh, running the car and he'll... Um, He'll fix this up. And, and do you need me to just talk quickly if the car's running? No, no, we're fine. Alan cuts out all the swear words. Okay. So we're fine. Today, uh, we're going to talk about ministry with young people uh, in congregations. So what I'm really excited to chat about is this sense of what it looks like in congregations where we don't have uh, necessarily, you know, the professional youth workers and very expensive resources and facilities, but actually just a commitment by the people and the leadership to have a go. Uh, so, so what we're here at Manningham Uniting uh, in Templestowe. What does it look like on the ground here, ministry with young people? Um, it looks like a, quite a lot of hard work, yep. to be honest, um, but that's okay. It looks like a Sunday morning service that is intergenerational where young people as all ages are encouraged to lead and they're equipped to do so. Um, it looks like a youth group, um, a youth theatre group, yep. which meets. Um, and it just looks like community. It's an intergenerational community. We have age-appropriate peer groups, if you like, Yep. But we also do things as a whole community. Okay. So for Manningham, intergenerational relationships and community are a priority. I need to go back because I've actually missed out one as well. Sure. I'll be killed if I don't. Yep. Let's. <laughs> we can edit this bit out. Referring to the notes, what Sorry. what do we need to shoehorn back in there? Um, the mentoring at the local high school. Yeah, yeah cool. Tell us up. about that. So we have um, we are about to begin a mentoring program with the local high school. And I'll be going in with one of the teachers for Year 10 Girls. Okay. So that's you'll, exciting. You'll be doing that? I will be doing that. I know you've got a look of incredulity on your face, Braden. Oh, clarification. But yes, I will be doing that with one of the teachers. So they have a teacher there who is really young and um, very enthusiastic and very talented. And I shall be running it with her. Fantastic. Over, you, you've been here two years, three years? One year. One year. Not even one year Not even a year. Okay. Over that time, what does it look like to establish this culture where um, this value and commitment to intergenerational ministry has actually begun to take hold? Or at least you're trying. Like, what, what, what have you seen and what are you learning where, from your experience here that, that might be helpful? Well, I think first of all, you take your experience from everything you've done previously and you just, you know, kind of get mashed together. Um the role here was specifically a children, youth and family minister role, minister yep. of the word role. But um, the intergenerational side of it, it, it's really, I think that sometimes we try to start new programs just because. 
Yep. And what you need to do is have a look at what you're doing and see what you can tweak and get some early wins on the board so people can see that it's actually not that hard. You just have to be intentional about it. So things like um, if you have an annual church camp, just be intentional about making it intergenerational. So you have the activities that everybody's doing them together um, and encouraging that and making sure that you facilitate that as well. Um, but also things like your worship services, just making sure that everybody's got a role if they want a role and they're able to lead. It's not age-related. Make sure you equip them and, and encourage, but it's not age. You know, it's not age-related to lead in church. It's things like um, church meetings as well, though, so that everybody's heard, everybody's valued. I find that if you, it's not just about children, not just about young people. If you if you look at intergenerational properly, you're actually making it a safe place for all ages. Yep. So it's it's older people as well as younger people. It's it's those people that are not necessarily heard usually it's you know you you in every church there's always a core group of people who have the loudest voices yes. rightly or wrongly and there's a barry there's always a barry there's always a barry <laughs> there is always a barry yeah. and i'm not saying that i'm not one of those loud voices either i yep. think i'm part of that as well so i do have to be careful yeah um but yeah, I think if you if you actually just look at what you're doing already and tweak it so that it, it it is intergenerational, then you know you become intentionally intergenerational, and then you can start looking at what else you need. Yeah. But it's just changing culture. It does take a long time. Yep. But it's about changing a culture. Now you just touched on that. Um, then my next question. Uh, so a number of our audience are, are ministers in placement, uh, and with a with a heart for ministry with young people. What do you see your role in this community then with, I mean, no doubt you've got plenty of roles, but in establishing this culture that values all generations and, and facilitates intergenerational relationship, what's the role as, as the minister? Um, what do you see yourself doing there? Well, sometimes you're modelling. Yep. Sometimes you're equipping. Sometimes you're... Um, speak you know you're observing and then you're speaking what you see mm. um so you're reflecting back constantly um i suppose a lot of it is is just having a go and and showing people it's actually not that hard it, some the thing is for me it's quite easy just to have a go because i don't need everything in place i don't need everything teed up before i'll jump in i'll get enough going and then think okay let's have a go now let's see if it doesn't work what does it matter? We'll have learned something. If it does work, hey, it's flying. Yep. But other people are not like that. They need everything teed up. They need everything in place. They need every eventuality explored just in case. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of not like that. So I have to be careful there um, because then I that's when I become a bit scary. Okay. All right. That's really helpful. But it's, it's very easy for a church just to be a social group yep. or just to be a social justice group, you know, not, not motivated by our faith. And I think my role as a minister in whatever I do is actually to encourage people to understand their faith is what motivates them. Um, we love others because God loved us first. That's what we're doing. So it's about identifying, be just being open to the spirit. Okay, come on, people. Where do you feel the spirit is right now in this in this situation, in this issue, in this place? Yeah, that's, that's great. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
It's exciting. Some hard-hitting questions now. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brexit? Well, I have just come back from the UK because I went okay. to the International Messy Church Conference. Did meet up with Theresa May, obviously. Obviously. Um, she took my advice. She looking and... for a job? No, 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 no. I did say to her, look, leave them to it. Yeah. Leave them to it. Go Exit to Spain. Go to Spain. Sit by a pool. Put a wig on. No one will notice you. How does she go in the sun? Um, she seems pretty pale. But she's not had the opportunity to go away for so long. I think that's she's the only problem. been prime minister for three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, hasn't she? And she she's well, she was not, prime minister for a long, long time. time. No, you had that other guy. Oh, yeah, 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 the other guy, the one that actually got the vote going. Yeah. And what do you mean I had the other guy? Well, you're British. Yeah, I'm actually Australian. Are you? Yeah, I am. Welcome. As soon as I could become <laughs> Australian. Okay. All right. So, so uh, is it a good thing? Brexit? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've got to be really careful what I say you on do. this, haven't I? Yes. My considered opinion is utter crap. Yes, good. There we are. Um, there's the soundbite for the whole series, really. Um <laughs> What do you think of the podcast? Well, uh, no, let's keep moving on. Um, one of the hats you wear outside of Manningham in the wider churches, you are the chair of the Synod Ethics Committee. You're about to have a very busy week at Synod, although this will be released after Synod, so you may no longer be the chair of the Synod oh, Ethics thanks Committee. thanks for that. Depends how we go. But uh, what does the Synod Ethics Committee do? All right, so it was set up last year. Yep. We met first in August last year. And the idea is that um, we look at ethical issues or issues in the community. We um, theologically reflect on them. We look at them through a Christian ethical lens. Um, we're looking at things that are coming up and identifying subjects. And we're also looking at subjects like voluntary assisted dying that the Standing Committee um, sent to us to look at. And Jessica Hately brown wrote the report for, for voluntary assisted dying, and that's what's going to Synod. Yep. But we've, we've looked at rights of nature. We've looked at the abuse of um, people working in the finance sector um, and the effects on them. We've looked at national identity. We're now looking at a big um, subject with the gym cluster with Mark Zernzak about privacy and liberty and what, um, what do law enforcement need to keep us safe. Um, um, tackling issues like child abuse, etc., online, and what um, what are our rights as individuals? A really interesting one is um, the smartphone. When you've got a smartphone, they've been developed now with technology so that they cannot be tapped by law enforcement. Yes. Now that has become a right. That's okay. now taken on. Everybody thinks, well, no, that's not. It's our right not to be tapped our phones not to be tapped but who's actually done the ethical thinking around that and is it the big national corporations multinational corporations are they making our ethical decisions for us or are we doing the ethical is it is it something that has become a right because we can do it technically technologically is that a word technologically i've just I made think it so. up maybe. no i think that sounds like a yeah? word okay that's good we'll check it in yeah. post edit that's fine fab but is that a right because we can do it or is it a right because it needs to be a right? Oh. So think through that ethically. And then so our role as an ethics committee is to look at everything and say, okay, does the church have a voice here? Do we add in this debate? Um, where is the prophetic voice? Yeah. Where is the spirit in this issue? So we look at the rights and wrongs, but we're also looking at where's the prophetic voice here. Okay. That sounds really fascinating. Um, it does... Uh 
make you more than qualified to play our first ever round of ethics, lit or quit. Claire, are you ready to play? I suspect I won't be the ethics chair after this. (laughs) I warned you. Uh, Let's play lit or quit. So I'm going to give you a scenario and a choice, and you can tell us whether uh, that choice was lit or quit. Uh, You are the uh, voluntary organiser of the uh, church bulletin. Old Maisie was mean to you. You decide to include a doctored picture of Maisie with a moustache in the church bulletin. Lit or quit? I think that's entirely justified. Fantastic. You are a minister and two people in your congregation have invited you to their weddings, not to preside, but just as a guest. Uh, One is an Anglo wedding. One will be a Pacific Island wedding. You choose the Pacific Island wedding because the catering will be better. How do you know I'd already done that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm just reading the report on your desk. I'm so sorry. The other couple. (laughs) But it was only egg sandwiches they were offering. Exactly. Exactly. So, Liv? Absolutely. Yeah, good. Shared uh, unisex bathrooms in workplaces and the toilet seat. You get to leave it how you would use it. Lit or quit? Quit. Quit? Absolutely not. Okay. In rush hour, someone cuts you off and makes a rude gesture at you. Later, you realise they're in your congregation. So you name and shame them in the sermon. Lit or quit? No, that's obviously not something you would do. You'd obviously... Um, bless them as they drove past you making that gesture yes no no that's a totally wrong thing to do Brayden okay you I'll just make a note of that for my own personal use Uh, last one you are the volunteer counter of the collection as you where is this going I'm just seeking professional advice from the chair (laughs) of the ethics committee as you go to count the collection you you, there's a $20 note on the floor you decide that it was there prior um, it can't have possibly fallen out of the collection bag. You take it home and buy a few fried dim sims on the way. Lit or quit? No! Oh, okay. Oh, Sorry. That's good to know. It's a very, very foggy that, line we've that's drawn That's the there. prophetic voice. <laughs> quite clear. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, Claydor, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the podcast. It's been a real joy. I don't know that we've learned uh, any more ethical guidelines, but we've learned a few no's and if, maybe a few yeses. Oh, yeah, and I think Maisie deserved it. Yeah, Draw absolutely. Draw that moustache. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Brad. A massive thanks to Claire for joining us on the podcast and giving us her time. I hope you enjoyed our chat. Uh, now, there were a few references to editing uh, in post-production, but friends, Alan did not make the trip to Auckland, something about visas and uh, checking in with parole officers. Uh, so simply, we've offered you the uh, interview as it happened. Uh, you get a real insight into uh, what goes on behind the scenes, uh, trashing of phones, swear words, uh, invention of words. Uh, and thanks again to Claire. And remember, if you found uh, what Claire said helpful. That's fantastic. If you uh, disagreed with something that Claire might have said, just remember... My considered opinion is utter crap. There we go. Now, I did want to tell you briefly about Amplify. Uh, You might have heard it uh, over at the UCA Youth Facebook page or on their website, both of which are worth checking out if you haven't already. Amplify is a new event for churches in Victoria and Tasmania. We've called it a caucus, and that's intentional because we want to engage with 
the councils and the politics of the church by gathering, networking, and amplifying young voices within the church. So we are inviting every congregation and Uniting Church Associated School, as well as some of our agencies through Uniting, to send up to four representatives aged 16 to 21 for a one-day celebration at Aitken College on November the 9th. Uh, All the details can be found out if you go to ucayouth.org.au and click on Amplify. Uh, We're going to be inviting every congregation to send people in that age bracket along for the day. And we're going to try and gather and claim an authentic young voice of the Uniting Church and then amplify that voice to the leadership of our church nationally. It's really exciting. Uh, uh, We're privileged to be part of it here at the podcast, and we will be there on the day, and uh, we can't wait. We're going to hope to touch base with a few of the guests and attendees of Amplify in the weeks leading up to the event in November. So stay tuned for that. It's really exciting. We cannot wait to see what happens. Uh, Now, finally, friends, uh, we are going to jump into the library section this week, and we sort of foreshadowed this by saying that this week's book is actually a PhD thesis uh, called Young People and Church Since 1900, Excu- Engagement and Exclusion. Now, this was written by Naomi Thompson last year. So it's pretty up to date. It's pretty current. Unfortunately, PhD theses are very expensive, and it was $240. Now, that's more than Alan's annual salary, and we simply couldn't uh, put that out, but luckily we got access to a summary or a review of that thesis by Pete White, uh, who's a guy in the UK who moves um, in relation to the International Association for the Study of Youth Ministry, and Pete wrote, wrote a review. And so this week's library uh, book is a review of a PhD thesis, and I just wanted to give you some of the highlights because I think there's some resonance here. And where Naomi lands is really exciting. Uh, So this book fills in a gap in the literature about youth ministry by providing some analysis of the historical development of the Sunday school movement and its effect on contemporary youth work practice. Thompson uniquely combines historical research and contemporary field work in three specific time periods. She traces the engagement of children and young people with the church, starting with Sunday schools in 1900, when they were at their peak, a view in the mid-century, when they were in decline, and a view of the last 10 years. Thompson shows how what started as a movement, which was needing the social needs of mainly working-class non-church children, that movement became part of the institution that serves the needs of its members rather than the young people themselves. It leads her to this challenging conclusion that young people have not rejected the church so much as the church has rejected young people. Now, the book begins with this clear introductory chapter that summarizes the research methodology uh, and some key themes that have emerged, institutionalization, social currencies, and discourses of decline. Uh, The next few chapters outline the historical research, and then chapters four and five explore the contemporary research. It's here that the analysis draws on similar recent research and literature on faith development and nurture, as well as sociological perspectives. Thompson reflects on the role of the church youth worker and comments on the motives of employers that often leave youth workers holding the blame for the absence of youth 
and young people from church. And this is where I think it's really exciting. Building on all this research, Thompson moves on to, uh, to propose a model of youth ministry based on three domains, a social club, a cell group, and a Sunday service. Each domain clearly serves a different purpose. Young people may enter at different places, move between the domains, depending on the factors of choice, voice, relationships, and belonging. That is to say, friends, that youth ministry doesn't have to look like a structured Friday night youth group. Here, Thompson suggests that allowing social interaction, authentic social interaction, for in and of itself, young people grounded in cell groups or Bible studies or home groups, and engaging and participating in a worship celebration. And moving between those and recognizing that as life continues and as young people change and evolve and learn and express their belonging and identity differently, they might find one of those domains more helpful than the others. But holding them all together with this broad understanding of ministry with young people. I think it's a really exciting, uh, refreshing approach. Uh, and now, in many ways, in Thompson's uh, thesis, there is nothing that will surprise most of us who have been in youth ministry before. Uh, this clear tension about nurture versus outreach and the other tension around relational work versus instructional work, both of these are well rehearsed. However, Thompson's fresh insight is to offer evidence of how these conflicting narratives of purpose have evolved and shines a light on their continuing influence in youth ministry today. So uh, thank you to uh, Naomi Thompson for her PhD and to Pete White uh, for his review of that. Uh, I hope there's something in that for you. I'm going to continue to ponder what those three domains look like. And uh, of course, we will share those ponderings with you here on the podcast. Uh, if you have any ponderings, any questions, any comments, please make sure to get in touch with us via our email or the there's even a contact form on our website workxpc.com uh, we'd love to hear from you thanks to everyone uh, for getting in touch and we look forward to bringing you next week's episode back from our melbourne studios uh, hopefully with some highlights and some interviews from the iasym conference here in auckland uh, and we look forward to speaking to you next week friends this has been Work Experience.